This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Hey everybody, good evening. How are you guys all doing? Awesome, awesome. Well, welcome to our evening service. Thank you for coming out. Are you ready for the word this evening? Well, let's pray. I want to thank Apostle Theo, Dr. Bev, to continue with this series. So let's pray. Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. Make it known, Lord God, that I do not trust nor depend on my own limited abilities, but I trust in you, Spirit of God, to teach through me. Let the word go forth. Let clarity come. Let understanding come on the second coming of Christ. What will happen, Lord? Prepare us tonight with this word, I pray in Jesus' name. And all those who agree, say... Amen. Well, I want to welcome everybody online. Uh, please open up your Bibles, open up your apps, open up your notebooks, open up your newspapers, whatever you've got to write on, open it up and take some notes as we go along. Last week, we spoke about uh, the second coming of Christ, part one, and uh, uh, Pastor Andre uh, uh, very well set out the foundation that there will be a second coming of Christ. And so it's not something that's not going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. And we said that we don't have to worry about it. It is not a horror story, but it is a love story. And we see, and we're going to see especially tonight, how God is so interested in us and so love us. And uh, therefore, he's got something great lined up for us. This is the most encouraging story ever. And when most people listen and read the book of Revelations, they just read about dragons and horns and she's like, and this thing and that thing. And it just sounds also confusing, and I understand that, all right? And sometimes we feel a little bit overwhelmed by this, and we sometimes don't want to read the book of Revelation because we don't want to be reminded of what is coming, as if we are going to be there. Hmm. So let's see what the Bible says. Let's start. It says there, do not let your hearts be troubled. Amen. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then Jesus goes on to say, my father's house has many rooms. And he's speaking about heaven here. If that were not so, I would have told you that. I'm going there. Jesus is going when he ascended up into heaven, this was him speaking to the disciples before that happened, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. So the Lord Jesus is in heaven preparing a place for us now, and the day of his return is marked, but only the Father knows when that will happen. Amen? So God's plan is a rescue mission to the believer family. He doesn't want us to stay here. He doesn't want us to go through the things of the book of Revelation. He is saying, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to set up a lacquer place for us, all right? And then I'm going to come and fetch you. So he wants to rescue us from what is going to happen in Revelation. But there are certain things that we have to do, all right? Simple things, basic things, normal things, all right, that we have to do so that you can go with, all right? He goes on to say, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. The second coming of Christ. So he will come back. And then he says, and then I will take you with me. In other words, he will come back. We will go with him. That you may also be where I am, which is in heaven. That is the ultimate reward. That is the ultimate story. So it's a love story of him preparing for us something and taking us to this place. It's not a horror story. Amen, family? 
So the title of my message tonight is, Here Comes the Bride. Amen? Here comes the bride. And that is us. We are the bride of Christ. And we have to prepare ourselves. As Dr. Andre said uh, last week, is that a bride diets. They club the makeup, the hair, the, I don't know, well, a lot of things, okay? A lot of things. They look completely different on that day. The next morning, it's like, what the? No. But you know what I mean, right? They do a lot of things before the time. And that's what we have to do as well. We have to prepare ourselves, not in a fake way, but in a good way. Amen. All right? Otherwise, it's instant divorce. So I'm going to explain the whole book of Revelations to you in the next 20 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes. All right? So we can understand exactly what it is about. So the Greek word for the book of Revelation is apocalypsis, is the Greek word. And this is where we get the word apocalypse from. Now, the story starts here in Revelation where the apostle John, one of Jesus' loved, the one that he loved so much, he's exiled to the Isle of Patmos in Greece in a rock quarry. They punished him because of his beliefs. But in this, he has a revelation where Jesus shows up in his glorified state, not as the man, but in his glorified state, eyes like fire, the Bible says, hair like wool, feet like bronze, and a sword coming out of his mouth, and John faints in his presence. I think most of us will do the same, amen? But Jesus gives him a revelation of things to come, and he tells him about what is to happen from chapters 2 till 22. There are seven major events, seven major events that takes place that can be very confusing, as I said, and I'm going to go through this with you so that we can understand exactly what those seven events are and where do we fit in and what happens and when do we go and when do we stay and, and, and. I'm saying this to you so that you can know what to expect, family, so that you can know what to expect. We are the only ones that's got a book that has told us about the history, predicted the, the history in the past, and is predicting the, uh, what is going to happen in the future. In other words, we have the playbook. We know exactly where they're going to score. You're going to see South Africa tonight. It's like 10 minutes before. They're going to go left. They're going to score. No, they're going to block the guy. It's like having that. You have, all, you have the playbook. You have all the crypt notes. You have the words of life. Amen, all in the book of Revelation. All right, so now I'm going to show you these seven events, and then I will come back to Revelations 2 and 3, and then we'll go through the seven churches, uh, and we'll break that down for you. And I'll tell you why that is so important, because the seven churches represents the bride of Christ, and each and every church represents an attribute that we have to follow or avoid. Amen? So the first thing that I want to show you is that we are currently in the church age. In Revelations 2 and 3, Jesus speaks about the seven churches of Asia Minor, or modern-day Turkey, and it is contained in Revelations 2 and 3. And he talks about the church, the messengers of the church, the angels of the church, which is all the, to the pastor of the church, and he talks to the church, the congregation. And he tells us whether he's pleased or displeased with what is going on. It is important, like we saw last week, we've got to teach and admonish at the same time. Amen. Otherwise, you just get too much ice cream, and it all just goes to the tummy. All right. So this is the church age. We are living in these chapters today. All right. 
And it seems that the church is perhaps not yet ready for the second coming of Christ. We've heard it said by Apostle Theo, many preachers, myself had thought on it as well, that ten virgins, five are foolish and five will be um, wise. They are all representative of the body of Christ. Some will be ready and some will be not, won't be ready. Amen? And so we've got to make sure that we are ready for the second coming of Christ. I don't know about you, but I want to be in the wise virgin pool. Amen? I want to have a lot of oil in my lamp. But that doesn't just mean to say, well, live the way you are currently. There's something you've got to do. You've got to make sure you've got a lot of oil, anointing, presence of God. Amen? In your lamp. You can't live on yesterday's revelation. You've got to have fresh manna every day. A relationship. You can't live off what your friend tells you. Ooh, you should have been there. What amazing. He told us about Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. You've got to get it for yourself. You got, it's, otherwise, it's hearsay. It's hearsay. Amen? All right? So we're living in the church age. The next thing that is going to happen is the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church, and is described in Revelations 4 and verse 1. What is the rapture? It is an event that is described in 1 Thessalonians 4. The Greek word, uh, the Greek word is harpazo. Harpazo. It means to snatch or to grab quickly. In other words, we will be snatched or grabbed quickly. The Bible says, in a twinkling of the eye. Amen. The word uh, rapture is also the, the Latin word is uh, rapter, rapter, which means or where we get the word rapture from. The Bible says this, look, it says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. At the rapture, the dead in Christ rises first. Those that already paid the price have died, your family, your friends, and everything else, they will rise in first. And after that, we that are still alive and are left will be caught up together. The dead in Christ and us caught up together. And the Bible says, and we will meet him in the clouds. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Amen. No, no bad news so far. So, so far, this sounds pretty good. Amen? All right, family, are you still with me? Okay. It goes on then to say, now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. In other words, family, there will be no time to prepare for it when it happens. You can't say, some people may be living, I don't know, when I was smaller, when I was young in the Lord, I would say, okay, I'm going to time it very quickly. When I see something happening, I'm going to quickly repent, and then I'm going to go to heaven. How many of you still think that way? Okay, all right, no. It will happen like a thief in the night. You wake up, and the thief is in your house. You wake up, and the thief has taken your vehicle or your car or whatever. You can't preempt it, Amen. I mean, some people will say this, while people are saying peace and safety, we will be in a time when something is going to happen. The Antichrist will come, and I'll talk about it now, and there, there will be peace and safety in the world. All the crime will go. There will be peace between nations. In actual fact, there will be a peace treaty in Israel. So we're going to say, 
guys, this can't be the end because I heard it must be dragons and horns and eagles and all kinds of things and four faces and whoo, no. Look, it's peace and safety. The, 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 the tribulation is still far away. They will not escape. They will not escape. You see, folks, we might find ourselves in a peaceful and maybe even a prosperous time. But there will come a time that we'll, we will not be able to escape it. We got to be ready while there's peace, while there's prosperity. Amen? We've got to be ready. Goes on to say, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness. So you can't, after this message, you can't say, I didn't know. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. Amen. Are you with me, family? It will not surprise us at all. I mean, why won't it surprise you? Because you are listening to this message. Amen. You're listening to this message. I mean, I'm telling the truth while I'm preaching. <laughs> okay, Pastor John, you should always tell the truth. Yes. But I'm not just preaching now. I'm telling the truth. Amen? Because here's the reason why. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to take note of how important that is. That's amazing scripture. In other words, it is never God's plan for us to be punished, to go through a tribulation, to be under pressure, to suffer wrath of God. God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, this tells me, family, when I look at this, this tells me when I've received salvation and I walk in righteousness, in right standing with God, then there is no wrath for me to suffer. Yes, I thought I would get a better amen for that. Okay, where's the wise virgins? Come on now. Uh, amen. If you are born again, you're not gonna suffer wrath. According to this, amen? I mean, we're gonna be in heaven enjoying the marriage feast of the Lamb, amen? This is where we're gonna receive our crowns and our rewards, and it's called the judgment seat of Christ. So when we get raptured, rapture, when we get raptured, we will first of all receive our rewards and our crowns of righteousness, and then we will go into the marriage feast of the Lamb, all during that time of the rapture. The, that seat or the place where we receive rewards is called the judgment seat of Christ. It's where rewards are handed out. Let me just go on. I'm going to clarify it for you now. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride is, has made herself ready. That's us. Has made herself ready. Has made herself ready. Telling me you have to do something. You've got to prepare for this. Amen. And then it goes on to say, this is not a judgment to determine who will enter heaven. The sins, this is amazing. The sins of believers will not be an issue at the judgment seat of Christ. They have already been forgiven. Family, did you hear that? There's no wrath for you. When you get raptured, you are not going to be judged for your sins because you repented and Christ died for your sins. If I live in right standing with Christ in righteousness, my sins are forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, he cast it into the lake of forgetfulness and remember it no more. 
And so when I'm in right standing with God, when I get raptured, it is now to receive my rewards. Amen? It's not your sin that's going to be judged. Sin has been, you don't go to hell because of your sin. You go to hell because you don't believe or receive what Christ has done on the cross. Amen? The sins of the believer will not be an issue at the judgment seat of Christ or the bima seat of Christ. They have already been forgiven. Amen, family? I don't know about you, but that's good news. But how many of you know you've got to live the right of right standing and righteousness? You can't now say, well, I'm born again. I'm now whatever. No. You might wonder, why is my lamp not working? Amen? The next thing that's going to happen is the tribulation. Now we are in heaven, receiving our rewards, marriage feast of the Lamb. Now the tribulation happens on the earth. In Revelation 6 verse 9 to 19, this is where this is happening. Now this is the important thing is, look at this. The Antichrist, remember there is Satan, the devil, and then he will appoint, call it a prophet, a politician, a man of influence which later on will be revealed as the son of perdition or the Antichrist. In the beginning, people would say, this guy is amazing. He brokered a seven-year peace deal in Israel for the last 2,000 years. Nobody, nobody could do that. This guy must be like the Messiah. I mean, how is this possible? Seven-year peace treaty. No more guns, no more rockets, no more, no more nothing. No more iron dome in Israel, nothing. Seven-year priest treaty he will, he will, he will, he will uh, broker. But in the middle of that peace treaty, three and a half years, he will bring an end to sacrifice and offering. Now, let me just go back. In that time, he will give the Jews the right to build the third temple on Temple Mount, where currently it's under... Palestinian control. And the Palestinians and the Jews and the Gentiles will all be able to go there and worship God. And this man, this antichrist, this politician, this man will broker that deal and he will say the Jews can now build their third temple on it. It's ready. The temple is ready. Everything is ready for it to be built. In the middle of that seven and a half years, while they still, he will bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And the Bible says he will sit on the throne in the temple and call himself God. If you're there, tough times are coming. So most of the chapters are about these seven years of tribulation in the Bible. It talks about the Antichrist, the politician who brings peace to the Middle East, who allows Israel to build their temple on Temple Mount. All the preparations, as I said, are in place to rebuild the temple. They're ready. They've even got the cost for the menorah ready, pure gold. They've got it ready. The Antichrist will broker this deal and give them the right to build their temple, as I said, and then take it away three and a half years into the tribulation. The first bit of it will sound like it's heaven on earth. But as soon as three and a half are done, the tribulation will come. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians that when the church is raptured, we that are filled with the Holy Spirit and raptured, 
the spirit of God is removed off the earth because now the devil can do what he wants. No more praying against that because now is the time, the fulfillment of prophecy. And can you imagine if you are still on the earth in that time, family? You see, the Holy Spirit is in you and when you go into heaven, the Holy Spirit goes with you wherever you are. Amen? And when the Antichrist is revealed, all hell will break loose here on earth. It is very graphical. It is very uh, 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 metaphoric in many ways because we don't understand how it all, it's dragons and dungeons and eagles and, and beasts and all kinds of things. But then, at the end of that period, the second coming of Christ according to Revelations 19 and 20. And we will return with him. We will return with him. Now look at this. I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. That's Jesus. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, the blood that he spilled on, uh, at Calvary. And his name is the word of God. Amen? Then it goes on to say, and the armies of heaven were following him. The armies of heaven are following him because they are now about to or get involved in the battle of Armageddon. And the armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword which, with which to strike down the nations. A sharp sword to strike down the nations. This is the nations that will, that will battle the battle of Armageddon in the valley of Megiddo. He will rule them with an iron scepter. Those that do not believe. Those that have not accepted him as Lord and Savior. And then it goes on to say, this, this war is intense. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God on those nations. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And when his name is pronounced, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Amen. And then we go on to number five. After that battle is won, the Bible says it will take three years for the bodies to be removed from the valley of Megiddo. The, the fowls of the air, the birds of the air will feast on the flesh of kings. And their blood will run into the Jordan River and the Jordan will run into the sea that is dead, talking about the Dead Sea, and the sea that is dead will become alive again. Wow, what a prophetic utterance amen so we see here uh, the millennial reign of christ on the earth as described in revelations 20 verse 4 the saints rules with christ for a thousand years goes on to say and i saw thrones for a thousand years and i saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them then i saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the witness to Jesus. People that now died during the tribulation period. Because remember, if I died before, I'm with him in heaven. This is now people that have died during the tribulation period. Whose heads were cut off because they didn't take the mark on their, forehead, for, uh, on their forehand or on their head. 
It goes on to say, and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Isn't that amazing? Us, all of us in the rapture, plus those saints that gave their lives to Christ, did not conform to what the beast uh, or the, during the tribulation period, we will reign with Christ for a thousand years. Christ will reign for a thousand years on the earth. On the earth. That's the time where the, land, the, the lion and the lamb will lay next to one another. There will be no carnivorous uh, thoughts by the lion. No, it's going to be whatever, you know. Just lick him like a cat, okay? Amen. That's when there's going to be peace. It says children will be put their hand into a nest of adders and they will not bite them. There will be complete peace, no evil intent in the world for a thousand years. And the devil will be bound. Amen. Peace on earth. But then comes number six, the great white throne judgment. What is that, Pastor Johnny? Am I going to white throne judgment? No, you don't want to go to the white throne. It's all the nations and the people who have not received Christ that will be at white throne judgment. The nations will be judged at this. That's in Revelations 20. Now look at it. It says here, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, talking about God. And there was no place for them. No, wherever where they fled, they would be sniffed out, if I can put it that way. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books, books, plural, were open. I saw the dead, great and small, standing there before the throne. In other words, everybody before even the rapture that did not believe in Christ, the dead, and all those in that time that did not receive Christ, and in the thousand years, and those that perhaps even backstood, because the Bible says that in that, at the end of the thousand years, he will release the Satan, one, uh, the devil, one more time. And if it's possible, to deceive some. So the dead, the great and small, standing before the throne and books, the books of the record of their life. The Bible talks about the fact that the angels record everything that you do. Another book, single, was opened, which is the book of life. In other words, books will be opened, and your name will either be in the book of life or in the books. You do not want your name to be in the books. You want your name to be in the book of life, family. Amen? And they will receive a final judgment. Look what it says here. The dead were judged according to what they had done. Now your works are being judged, or the lack thereof, as recorded in the books. Amen? This is a place that we don't want to be in. We want to continue to reign. And then God, as he says, I make all things new. And Jesus will bring, you guys can play, thank you, the new heaven and the new earth. It's a physical place. The new heaven and the new earth, the new Jerusalem, is a physical place. It will come down out of heaven into the earth. The sea will disappear, the Bible says. I don't know where the, the beach, beach guys are going to go. We will hang around in the vineyards on a hill. All things will be made new. It's a physical place. 
Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I saw John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And all of us will live with the Lord Jesus. The Bible goes on to say there's no need for light in there because God is light. Lean in quickly. Let me talk to you. Let me, let me wrap this up. Seven things that you have to do to be ready, the bride of Christ. Are you ready? Okay, let me talk to you about that. Number one, as in the book of Ephesus, all right, return to your first love. Return to your first love. Do not be like the people of Ephesus that had sex and orgies in the temple of Diana, would travel two kilometers approximately to the harbor and would continuously be a place of perversion, sexual perversion. Return to your first love. Don't let perversion be your first love. Don't let your position, your car, your status be your first love. Let him be your first love. Family, because you will be great, but you will stand at white throne judgment. Amen? Are you with me? Number one, I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen, like the devil. Repent and do the things you did at first. Goes on to say, if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. I don't know what that means, but it doesn't sound good. How will God remove my lampstand? Maybe it's my light. Maybe it's my personality. Maybe it's who I am. He will remove that from its place. You might think you're the big shot in that company where you drive the lacquer car or the fast car. But God can remove that if you don't serve Him. Amen, family? Are you with me? Come on, lean in. Number two. Here we go. Smyrna, the church of Smyrna. Remain faithful. That was a persecuted church. They were persecuted for their faith. But he says, remain faithful. Look what he says here. He says, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will pour some of you in, uh, put you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. It is possible that you will suffer persecution for your faith. But he says, remain faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. Remain faithful. Amen? Are you all listening to me, everybody? Number three, Church of Pergamon, reject doctrinal extremes. That this thing and that, that thing and that, this thing, and we get so caught up in it, we become so offended that we leave the church even because we don't believe the way you, the NIV is from the devil. And we leave the church. Reject doctrinal extremes. Just do what the Bible tells you to do. Just do what the Bible says. Sometimes you shouldn't listen to people. Let the Spirit of God minister to you first and then a man. Amen? Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have people there who hold to the teachings of Balaam. In other words, oh, well, curse those guys. Talk bad about them. The hyper-grace teachings. Don't worry. You know, you guys can do that. Don't worry. It's going to be okay. It's fine. Don't worry. There's no consequences to sin. Who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food, sacrifice to idols, and by committing sexual immorality. 
goes on to say, likewise, you also have those who hold to you the teaching of the Nicolaitans. These guys were now super extreme. You just look right and they cup your work out. They were legalists, judgmental, placed guilt on you all the time. Jesus came into the world with grace and truth. Now listen to this. Grace is first. Grace invites you to be free, but it is a truth that will set you free. Amen? Truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. Did you get that, family? Amen? Church number four. Thyatira, remove impurity from you. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess, people that are false, that want to mislead you, misguide you, okay? By her teachings, she misleads servants into sexual immorality and eating of food sacrificed to idols. Everything against what God wanted for the people. People buy into compromise. They think it's okay to do this. And they live in an era. Hey, we're all there. I'm not just pointing fingers like this. I understand people are going through things. But hey, family, we got to get it right. I want to be in the rapture. I want to be in the marriage features of the Lamb. I want to receive my rewards in heaven. Amen. I don't want to stand in front of white throne judgment. Now look at this. This is powerful. Don't let your theology gravitate to your behavior. Justify your behavior by your theology. But let your behavior gravitate to your theology. Follow the Bible what it says and don't come up with your new doctrine amen family number five Sardis the church of Sardis renew your purpose they were without purpose look what it says here wake up strengthen what remains and is about to die for I have not found you found your deeds complete in the sight of my God wake up do what you need to do get involved be part of what we're doing here at the church amen that's what you should do as a bride Number six, the church of Philadelphia, revere the word of God. This is the, this is the one church where God is almost, whew, I'm so pleased with you. The church of Philadelphia, because they revered the word of God. It goes on to say, I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word. Things might be tough, but you're standing on that word. You're going through a hell in your life, but you're standing on that word. Laodicea. Seventh church, seven attribute that you as the bride must put on, appropriate. Repent of lukewarmness. Family, tonight this church should be full. This church should be full. I say to you that many people are lukewarm. They think it's okay. As long as I know about Jesus and I've heard of him, I'll go to heaven. Then you want to come with these extreme doctrines. Well, what, what kind of a God would send me to hell if I... You know, so nowhere in the Bible does it say I must come to church. Of course it says you must come to church. Stop with your lukewarmness. Stop adopting your behavior. becomes your new doctrine. Gravitate to the Word of God. Love this. I know your deeds. That you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm... I'm going to spit you out. You know why? In Laodicea, it's in the middle between a place called Herapolis on the hills where the hot springs of Herapolis would come to the city of Laodicea. 
and they would also then in the summer and for the drinking water receive the cool waters from the mountains of Colossae and the two waters the hot springs and the cool waters would come and merge and it would be lukewarm if it's cool I can drink it if it's hot I can bathe in it but when it's lukewarm it has no purpose it's amazing that Jesus we never see in scripture that he was there and when you go to Laodicea and I stood there and I saw Herapolis I saw the mountains of Colossae it's just amazing that there's no use for lukewarm water don't be useless be useful either be hot or cold <laughs> but both has a purpose I'm not saying cold is backslidden or hot is better I hot or cold but serve a purpose but don't be lukewarm don't be trying the middle it says here but you do not realize that you are wretched pitiful poor blind and naked here I am here's my call to you listen to me now seven things that you should do as the bride here comes the bride you need to prepare as the bride these are the seven churches of revelation I just discussed with you and today I'm saying to you the Lord is saying in Revelation 3 here I am I stand at the door of your heart today and I knock and if anyone hears my voice opens the door you have to open the door the Lord will never open the door you have to open the door I will then come in the Lord Jesus and I'll eat with you with that person and they with me the Bible says they will have communion amen the seven churches are what you need to be ready for the second coming of Christ are you ready church every head bowed every eye closed at this time if you're here tonight you say Pastor Johnny I'm not ready yet I've listened to the things. I'm perhaps lukewarm. I'm perhaps living a compromised lifestyle. I'm doing, out of the seven, I've only got one right or two right. Hey, the Lord wants you to have all seven right, and you can do it. But you cannot do it in your own, by your own, in your own strength. You can do it if you have Christ in you, because that's what it's all about. So if you are here tonight and you say, Pastor John, I do not know Christ. I've never made him Lord and Savior of my life. Then I'm going to give you the opportunity to raise your hand and to make that decision. So number one, I want to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of my life. Number two, you might say, Pastor Johnny, I backslid and I realize it now and I want to come back. I want to restore my relationship. My friend, God is waiting for you. Or number three, I want to have assurance of my salvation. Know that if I were to die today, that I would go to heaven. If that is you at any one of those three invitations, search your heart today. Want to make Christ Lord and Savior? Want to restore my relationship? Or I want to have assurance of my salvation? And I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in a moment. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Are you ready? One, two, three. Raise your hand wherever you are. Let me see in the name of Jesus. Thank you. See that hand. Thank you. See that hand. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wherever you are, raise your hand in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now we've got some workers that are coming to you to lay their, their hands on you, merely coming to agree with you in prayer. Amen, 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 amen. Now I'm gonna ask those who raise their hands for you to say this prayer out aloud. And we're all gonna do it together. Amen, family? Because we've all done it before. So we're all going to do it and we're going to encourage you as we do it. So let's say this together. Father in heaven, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I come as I am. Lord, please forgive me. I repent and ask for forgiveness.
I believe in my heart and I say with my mouth that Jesus is Lord of my life. From this day, I promise to serve you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.